All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And this is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! Did I screw that up? <laughs> we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yeah, you got it right. All right. And we have a special guest, Deb Carragher. Hello. How are there, you? Funky Land. You are an actress, <laughs> director. You're also a... Um, a speech, I think you are a speech coach, aren't I, you? I coach actors, acting voice and speech, not mm-hmm. voice. Okay. But, I mean, not singing. Right, right, like exactly. speaking voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, but primarily I've been a producer and director until very recently. Oh. I hit the boards again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, uh, you're originally from Texas, and then you, uh, you lived here in the Bay Area. I know you because you, I was your stage manager for Sick and Wonder of the World. We were, we we're ex-Easterners, mm-hmm. and, um, and then you moved back to Texas, and, then, uh, now, and now you're back in the Bay Area. Correct. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Norman, as I begin every podcast, how was your week? Happy anniversary. The uh, second anniversary. anniversary. Second. First, first second anniversary. Second anniversary. Right on. Which is funny. Somebody told me it was China. Is it? And I, oh. No, it's uh, cotton. 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 So what did you what did you exchange Q-tips. cotton with? Oh, what? what, what <laughs> another Chinese New Year? No, no, no. Uh, every year they're uh-huh. supposed to be, they, there's some theme that they put to it. Oh, interesting. I didn't first know, okay. year's paper because basically everybody knows you're poor. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and you, you spent all your money last year. Uh, right. Had the wedding paid off by the first anniversary. <coughs> I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, this was a uh, cotton. And before I knew, I knew I was going to either get cotton balls or Q-tips. I knew I was going to. <laughs> and before I could do it, I posted, what do I do for the second anniversary on Facebook? And Mara was one of the first people to respond, Q-tips? I'm like, <laughs> I already got the Q-tips. No, but I also went, because somebody had said China, I went to uh, Urban Ore and I picked up a couple of vases. Oh, nice. I was going to get some China and then just some old China and then break it up because we're going to be putting garden boxes together by the end of next month, I guess. Oh, you do the uh, mosaics on the outside? No, no, no. Just um, so to help with drainage for certain oh, plants, okay, if yeah. you put some stuff down in there, it just helps with drainage. So the next time I break my, any pottery or china, I should just give put it, it in to the you? box or give it to me. Yeah, no, we'll because uh, we're redoing our boxes. So you know, rain kept us from kept me from doing much at home. Um, I'm rehearsing both things: summer, winter, spring. Uh, performs next weekend mm-hmm. um, at the Minnesota Street Project, um, and so uh, we're going to be putting together a live component to this film installation that's been running for a week now, and uh, we'll we'll do a performance. So that are, that's been rehearsing, and on top of it, Lucia Berlin got started in rehearsals this week. So the word for word project um, that will take me to France nice. <laughs> in April mm-hmm. that's awesome. um, has just started, and so we're in that. I guess there are only a couple of unawkward phases in rehearsal. There's the awkwardness of getting started, figuring out what you're trying to do. Right. Then there's the awkwardness of, oh, my gosh, we're going into tech soon, and I've only got this much done in that panic that you go through. And mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle is a moment where you're just sort of happily working. Hopefully that starts this weekend. Yeah. Well, we were talking last week how I like to get the script out of my hand as fast as possible, even if I paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And you were saying you are the opposite. You really want to have the words down, so you'll hold on well, to the script even for, more. Well, for word for word, it's necessary. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the name of the group. You need to be word perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, improvising doesn't fly. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but – yeah, so that's been taking up all, pretty much all my time. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's really enough. been, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, <laughs> it's been big. Yeah, I had a spontaneous. Oh, Richard's birthday. That was the other big Talavera? thing this week. Richard Talavera's right birthday. Right And um, because my anniversary and his birthday are the same day. Yeah. <laughs> it meant um, I went to brunch with Richard yeah. and then had to go to, had to, you know, made time to go to dinner with my wife. Yeah. And, we went back to the place that it's uh, called America, mm-hmm. and it's on um, it's on College mm-hmm. um, near near Broadway, and mm-hmm. it's a gorgeous little restaurant um, with fantastic menu. And uh, we went when I proposed to her, and they gave us the, the waitress, the server, figured out what was going on and started hovering, and then started gossiping, so I could see all this going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the thing I think I'll never forget is just I asked, 
And Mara said, uh, can I think about it? <laughs> oh, no. And so I spent the rest of the time sitting there kind of going, oh, man. Uh, no, I don't want new dessert. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but by then, the staff all knew what was going on, so they brought us over a dessert, and then they brought us over a little aperitif. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking, this would all be wonderful if, it, you know, the big smiles on the staff's faces, if I could have that right now, but I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when we left the restaurant, we walked a couple of blocks, and she stopped and said, yes. So Finally. So we got to go back, and they did the same thing. They gave us aperitifs, and I'm like, uh, I guess if we just come here once a year, you will always hook us up. This is kind of cool. There you go. Well, romantic. I mean, you know, happy, happy, wonderful second anniversary. That's fantastic. So I had a, had a spontaneous – so on Martin Luther King Day, um, usually I'm just, you know, chilling out at home or whatever, but um, – I got a curious email from uh, someone who had an open casting call for a film, and I said to myself, reading the emails, like, oh, okay, well, they need an actor, and I'll just show up, and there'll be cameras or whatever, and I'll just do the film, whatever it is, and 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 that'll be it. But as it turns out, I had to actually audition, so I had to have a monologue prepared, mm-hmm. ready. And I didn't know that until I actually got there. And uh, the woman, I was filling out the form, and the woman was like, oh, so you have a monologue ready, right? And I was like, oh. But, of course, as an actor, we always have a monologue ready. You should. So, boom, I just, you know, pulled one up immediately and knocked it out the bark and um, did a cold read, and you know, that was it. I like but, to have a couple of classical, a couple of yep. contemporary, <clears throat> you know, something comic, something serious. I usually have three. I have a contemporary serious. I have a, contem- I have a classical and a, uh, and a and a comic thing. Mm-hmm. Good. And um, you should have ten. Should have ten. <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's what I tell my ten? students. Yeah. No, because I don't usually act. Yeah. So I only have five. Okay. <laughs> but I, I th- yeah, I think five is enough. I know my one of my friends, my secular non-theater friends. I was yeah. like, oh, I may go to an audition this weekend, and they were like, well, how are you going to prepare for that? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do one of the monologues I have. Yeah. And she was like dumbfounded. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just carry, you just have them ready, and I'm like, yeah. You need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love the, spon- the spontaneous. I mean, it just keeps you on your feet. It's like, okay, go. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine if, if 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 I were to wake you up at 3 in the morning, would you have a monologue prepared, Norman? I could pull something up. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing is over the years, you accumulate monologues, so it's not like they totally go away. Yeah. Right. You might have to go, oh, wait, what was that name or what was that word? But Exactly. I, I do worry about this. Like, okay, I'm stumbling because I was going to do one. There's one that I really love, Inherit the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Drummond. He has a couple of great monologues. But there was like a word or two that I was stumbling off. I was like, okay, I can't do that. So I did another one, and it was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so there's and that. you haven't heard anything? Or you- I will. <clears throat> I'll eventually hear something. And actually, we won't. I don't think we'll be doing a yay unless we do it one for Friday uh, evening because Saturday I'm in callbacks for – I don't know if I should jinx it. I should probably hold on to it. Just hold on to it. We'll I'll hold on to it. Yeah. Right. And so I'll hear back from that. But I'll be going for a callback mm-hmm. um, next Saturday at 12. Cool. Okay. So yeah, no, Fridays Fridays are good for like the next month. Awesome. I'll just have to find a guest. <clears throat> so I'm and actually. Oh, well, you, not you, next Friday. After next Friday. After next Friday. Yeah, so so we'll probably we'll skip. We'll skip. We'll skip okay. a week. I mean, you know, they'll be they'll be fine. You'll still have people following you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing pretty good. Um, current events. Boy, I have a lot of stuff written down. I've got Stormy Daniels written down. You know, who Stormy Daniels is no. Oh, good. Wonderful Christian <laughs> woman. I'm kidding. <laughs> she is a porn star who alleges okay. to have had sex with uh, oh, Trump. Had yes, an affair. Right. Right. Yeah, Trump. An affair, not just Trump. sex. I didn't know her professional <laughs> And so that's become news. Although it happened, well, if if you believe her, it happened in 2011. So I'm not sure. It happened well. supposedly a year after he got, he got married. With, yeah. yeah, a year after, right <coughs> after his ch- or his wife was pregnant, or well, yeah, the right. baby she was, was pregnant, just born, yeah. or yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And then I have uh, Don't Eat Tide Pods. Have you heard about this? So Tide, they have these little pods that you oh, put right. into laundry. your yeah. laundry thing. Yeah. Teenagers have been swallowing it and you, as a challenge um, okay. or putting it in their mouths. Sure. Or and the FDA has been putting out these public service announcements. Don't put it in your mouths. So It's not candy. Yeah. I don't know. It's like common sense. It's because they don't go outside anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. So because that, they read stuff on the internet and say, ooh. I'm going to try it, too. I dare you. 
Uh, I have Rick Perry hugging coal mining executive. There's a whistleblower oh, right. picture in place. Yes. And oh, I don't know. And that. the whistleblower was put on administrative he's leave. To get, he's trying to get a whistleblower protection. Right. The guy who who took the picture. Oh, of, okay. um, yeah. So Rick Perry, he's the head of the EPA. Right. Which scares me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was intended it to. Frightening. Yes. Yeah. I have GOP Senator Jeff Flake calls Trump Stalin. I love nice. Flake is just coming out. And I hate that the, the specifics of this. People then mm-hmm. quibble about what the word means and all that. I'm like, no. What he's pointing to is this man is not respecting. Exactly. The, these are tenets of, of, of American democracy. Right. right. A free press is a tenet of American democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, the separation of powers in our Legisl- you know, legislature, judicial, Absolutely. executive. Those are things that are the bedrock of American democracy. Yep. And our president is dismantling <clears> them. He's just ignoring them and trying to dismantle them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to call him a dictator, which yeah. is what he's trying to be, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Seems yes. It doesn't matter if you call him the worst, one of the worst dictators of the 20th century, or if you just point out the fact that he's being a dictator. Mm-hmm. And it's news because we hear this from Democrats, but this is a Republican. Right. Mm-hmm. So that has significance. Oh, and then what the White House said, I love, well, he's just saying that because his poll numbers are so low. The man's retiring. Right. This is not about his poll numbers. <laughs> right. But there, they also pointed out that he was trying to elicit more news coverage by saying these kinds of inflammatory things when his numbers were low. But Trump's numbers are really low. Right. In and a time still- where we have a pretty good mm-hmm. economy. Yeah. Right. Right. And he does a lot of this fake news distracting right, right, from things. Right. So I was looking on Gallup, and I was trying to see when when were his numbers the highest. Right. It was really inauguration. Right. What was what were they? <laughs> Which was forty five. Oh, oh my gosh. Thirty five now. Right. Thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, that's that, and I have... Um, Do you have his health checkup on there? No. Oh, well, yeah. Health, because yeah. I'm going to say that when they said that he took that cognitive test... He's as healthy as a horse. And it came back, yeah. and they kept saying, you know, he's fine. Yeah. Right. He has capacity, yeah. mental capacity to be the president. That doesn't make me feel better. Ah. Because what that, that means is that he's he's t- making conscious decisions yeah. mm-hmm. to do the things he's doing. Right. Right. And that makes me feel worse about humanity. In other words, yeah. if he were, if, if, you know, they said, well, he's, in, you can make an excuse for some right. of the crazy things that he says, right. especially the Twitter feeds, right. if he were mm-hmm. mentally incapacitated. Right. Well, but you, you he, didn't include uh, England saying, no, don't, don't come. Right. right. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. Well, I haven't finished my list yet. Oh, so. sorry. Betty White turned 96. Yeah, That's awesome. And she's still acting, still active. I mean, I it gives you so much hope. Go I ahead. finally saw a picture of her as a, like a brunette. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. And that's an old, old picture. Because uh, yeah. uh, Mary Tyler Moore, she was already. Right. She already had the blonde. <laughs> the blonde going, going gray. Yeah. 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 No, it's just, and, you know, just being so active, I'm like, hey, maybe when I get 96, I will be mm-hmm. healthy and all that you stuff. You will be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yeah. what I was saying to Richard. Is, you know, it doesn't matter what number you hit. Mm-hmm. What is that new chapter going to be? It might be a short chapter, right. but what is that next chapter? Yeah. O- you know, open your mind to the possibility yeah. that. So, yeah, I love having role models like Betty White. <laughs> yeah. And I still think theater, the arts, make you young. I mean, I think if you're just active and you're doing things, you have projects mm-hmm. that, that you're doing. Something to look forward to. Right, right, exactly. And the last thing that I have, I talked about this on the other um, – during a breakfast time, there's a guy named Carl Higby, who was the voice, the the spokesperson for AmeriCorps, oh, right. by the Trump administration, right. who got outed for being a racist, right. making oh, right. sorts of yes. racist comments, right? And it affected me because I used to I used to work for the Corporation for National Service for uh, AmeriCorps, okay. And I remember going back to D.C. Um, and I wanted to visit my old digs, mm-hmm. and. You know, when I was in America, it was at a time where the Clinton administration really funded right. and really focused on AmeriCorps national service right. and all that stuff. Right. And we had a uh, building, like a three-, four-story building right in the middle of D.C., mm-hmm. and I went back there, and the police just completely gutted out. Oh. Because Trump, of course, isn't funding it. Right. It wasn't funded during the Bush administration. Right. And, uh, and now you have this individual who, of course, got a, you know, this – Job, you know, and um, and so now he's out. What do they call that? It's a sort of a patronage, kind of, not patronage. The these people who get worse well, basically because the, the sport, they supported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically you know like good old boy, and he, right. you know, 
Got a sweet. Here's a title for you yeah. with a salary, right. and we don't really do care it with ambassadors and all that stuff. Right. So it's just, but we aren't even doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I usually ask guests, and it's interesting that I have you well, on. Well, you skipped over one other current oh, event, for it, which is for right now. Yeah. The women's March. That's right. Yeah. The women's March happening nationally. Which I should be doing, but I'm sitting here. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And this was very spontaneous of you. But yeah. um, no, there was a women's march last year. And right. It was an amazing experience. I don't know if you guys marched. I was. I Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing that it's even happening now. But I'm bringing you on um, because you're, uh, you know, it's okay to say that you're an independent, right? Yes. Yeah. How do you feel about what's been going on? I mean, um, I usually ask a lot. Of, a lot of our guests are, you know, they're stone about cold. What's been going on with the presidency? Yeah. Or the, I mean, are you surprised? Were you surprised when he got elected? Are you surprised when I he protested was, everything? I was surprised when he was elected. I actually was so emotionally overwhelmed being a person of color that I stayed in bed. I had to call in sick mm, the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I cried for most of the day. Right. Because I was afraid for my family. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not that dark. I'm probably the whitest Filipino you know <laughs> right now. But I, I, my facial features are not um, Anglo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have experienced a lot of racism recently living in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And so that kind of brought it kind of to the forefront too. Yeah. So I was very upset. And but but I also like I said I felt overwhelmed because I just didn't know what I could do. Right. Yeah. And and that's why I asked you today like what are you doing about the midterm elections? Like, that's right. Yeah. You asked me during the faith podcast. I mean, or even you know before and during breakfast, breakfast time. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. you know our our podcast. You know we we talk about these things because it's important. I mean right. we talk about theater, but really I mean all of us are affected by what's right. what's happening. How do you affect change without? Um, <clears throat> Without getting so absorbed in the the stress or the pain that you're seeing right. around you, yeah, and, and well, it's a lot like theater. I mean, it's almost like like the last time I was on stage, there was an emotional moment that I had, and of course, I had to tell myself I can be in the emotion, but I can't let the emotion overwhelm me so much that I can't do. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say mm-hmm. I, I miss my lines or mm-hmm. I stop focusing on my actress or whatever. We've talked about this many, mm-hmm. many times, uh, Norman, where. And I think it's the same thing here. I mean, a lot of people overreact to what Trump says. I mean, right. Trump is a troll. I mean, he's a super right. troll. Yes. He wants people to react right. to, to him because that's how that's how he views the world. Right. I'm going to poke you. Mm-hmm. Now, you come and poke me back. Right. And we don't have to play that game. Right. The Democrat Party doesn't have to play that game. People, we don't have to play that game. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's just focus on... You know, the work. And if you're not going to do the work, that's fine. We'll right. do the work. Right. And I was saying to you earlier, like, his policies that yeah. he is proposing are not necessarily that far off from what the GOP Many wanted left. to happen. It's just the way he's going mm-hmm. about it is a very unclassy well, and very uh, just ridiculous. I, I, I would agree with that, but I'd say even further, it's not just even the GOP. Um, this whole Israel thing, this whole blow up about Jerusalem – <clears throat> presidents have been kicking that can down the road right. for decades. Um, and this specifically, apparently even Clinton talked about the possibility of moving the mm-hmm. embassy. Yeah. Um, Obama signed off on the little waiver that said, well, we're not going to decide on this. And that was all that Trump actually signed when he made the statement. All he actually did was the same thing that presidents have been doing yeah. for you know a few terms now. Mm-hmm. So – Everybody to get as lit about it as as they did. It's like, well, if this is really that important an issue, then hallelujah, we're finally talking about it because we didn't talk about it 10 years ago. and We mm-hmm. didn't talk about it 20 years ago. Yeah, but Trump really isn't talking about it. He just did the decision. And I mean, but he didn't. <coughs> what he actually signed yeah. was this. There's some little waiver that they have to sign to kind of let the money keep flowing the way it's been flowing. Mm-hmm. And that's all he did. Yeah. Was signed that same thing. he told thing. people. Yeah. So he does things, but then he embellishes it and tells right. people. He makes these weird I've statements. moved the embassy. Right. 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 <laughs> which, which, which only has one objective, and that's to antagonize people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I say he's the super troll. And if you, if you, a great if, way to put it. If you react to it, that's on you. <laughs> you can say it's on him, but we know mm-hmm. that, that this is what he does. Mm-hmm. If you don't react, I mean, we've had bullies in our lives. Right. You know, if a bully, tr- you know, says something to you, like, right. you know, you, in, the N-word. Right. Or, you know, the B-word. Right. And you can either, you know, flip out 
or you can just continue with what you're doing. Not necessarily ignore it, but you, you know, constructively handle it. But I think that the things that he's bullying people on are more pervasive than Mm -hmm. what you would individually deal with. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are questions of humanity mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to yeah. here's 25 cents for my lunch money I'll mm-hmm. yeah. I'll go find another sandwich and yeah I just want our democrat party to not get into a tit tat with the president and you know and we'll focus on you know like the, the issues like I'm I'm encouraged by the the, the, uh, the, Jerry, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> no the Jerry the uh, the the Supreme Court ruling on gerrymandering in in North oh, Carolina. No. Oh, so I wasn't clear. They just decided not to do anything. Is that? I I because it was a seven to two, right? <clears throat> yeah, I thought that the appellate there was an appellate court that said, "Hey, this gerrymandering, this is, gerrymandering. Is, is gerrymandering. It's, it's unconstitutional. unconstitutional." Yes, and I think the Supreme Court says we'll listen to this. We'll listen right. to the yeah. we'll listen to the arguments. Right, just like they're but going they wouldn't to make a decision. The travel ban. Right. They decided to just leave it in place, basically. Right. Until they heard the case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. so, and Well, you know. they would have to hear the case to call for change anyway. Mm-hmm. Because if they just decided to change it, then people would say you didn't go through the process of law. Mm-hmm. You need to listen to the case. I and guess. The I case. just hate that it also means that November... It, things are probably going to stay as they are. Yeah, and there was well, an article about know. yeah, there was an article about that saying that it's not it won't it won't affect the midterm elections. Right. But hopefully that'll sow the seats for 2020. And if if there's a precedent that is is voted on for North Carolina, that'll set the foundation for other states else. and other districts. Well, hopefully the precedent that we can look at is black women stood up in Alabama with exactly oh, right. hell no yeah. that's exactly and right and maybe Thank it's God time to you know do some more freedom riding mm-hmm. and get down there and really put the word out and say no you need to show up wherever you are right. but the horrible thing about the gerrymandering this yeah. particular gerrymandering is yeah. this was you got to give them credit for being smart this was really smart set up republican districts where it's 55% or so, you know, it's over 50% Republican so that they have the majority so they can win. Set up Democratic district, districts where it's like over 80% Democratic so that you're wasting the Democratic vote. Mm-hmm. You, that's, and that was, they were real smart about that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about make sure that we get our places. It's make sure that you neutralize that Democratic vote by spreading it out, pushing it all into one places where it doesn't matter yeah. that there's, that they win their district. They win their <coughs> district, but those but all of the voters, Democratic votes are there. Right. So, all yeah. those other voters would have affected other areas mm-hmm. had they been appropriately apportioned. Right, exactly. So, And it's a two-part thing. For it to be apportioned correctly right. and also to mobilize those people to vote because right. a lot of people just stay idle. They just don't unless there's you know, a superstar. Only 30% people right, voted. Right. Vote I, find, I, heard, um, I heard it on the radio yesterday. I was so happy to hear. And the thing nobody's talking about was on KPFA, which I guess I should expect. I've been listening to KPFA a lot, and a little bit I listen to this libertarian station. And I'm amazed at the sort of edges that they will cover that nobody else is covering. But they did say, they said the last vote, yeah, this huge percentage of American, it was a 100 and something million voters didn't vote. I know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you going to quibble about them Bernie boys? Right. <laughs> yeah. When there's this ocean exactly. of voters right. who just are opting out for one reason. Yeah. Right. I was telling Reg about my friend's um, California Away Team campaign where he gathers volunteers and they go to districts where um, the midterm election could be changed. Mm-hmm. And, and they knock on doors of registered Democratic voters mm-hmm. who didn't vote mm-hmm. and they convince them to vote. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's exactly what we need, especially in those swing states. That's what needs to be happening. Yeah. Because yeah. one last thing on, on the president and, mm-hmm. and his – so allegedly he got foul mouth. Now, all the stories, the majority of the stories are arguing about whether he said it or didn't say it or blah, 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 blah. What it was clear from mm-hmm. the discussion yeah. was that he identified a bunch of nations that he wanted to blow off. Yeah. He wants to change our immigration policies to favor – other nations now, mm-hmm. you know, even that they're quibbling about whether or not he actually said that. But what he's cutting out of the equation is what's on the Statue of Liberty. We have right. been an open door thing. Right. The immigrants <coughs> that come here, mm-hmm. for the most part, work 
hard. They exactly. do. And always have historically. Exactly. So it's not an argument about workers. Mm-hmm. So let's take that off the table. Yeah. We will take his foul mouth and his identifying of certain countries off the table. Yes, let's make an immigration policy where we bring in people who want to be here. We bring in people who are hardworking and educated. We bring in people who need help because that's who we are and right. we believe yeah. in that. Yeah. And we bring in people from nations where we have had a negative effect and we feel responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So don't talk about cutting the Vietnamese out. We destroyed that cus- country. We exactly. decimated that country. Exactly. Those people have a right to put their lives up and put it together someplace else, and we owe them that. Yeah, and I'd make an argument about Mexico as well. I mean, you know, yeah. he complains about Mexico, but Mexico has been devastated by the drug war. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the nation's right. unstable because of our addiction right. to cocaine and, you know. And marijuana. Yeah, and, and all, and all, and all, all, all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. you can make a very good argument that if, you know, if—, if then our nation, you know, in the 70s, 80s, or whatever, weren't so dependent upon that, then Mexico wouldn't, you know, have, you know, all sorts of, wouldn't, there, you know, there wouldn't be such instability right. because, of, because of drugs. Right. It's, and so, right, for us to create an immigration policy that acknowledges our role in what's going on in the world and takes responsibility for right. it, at least to a minimal level, which is all we've been doing. Yeah. So to reduce it any further than we've already reduced it, yeah. we aren't even we aren't even cleaning up after ourselves. Yeah. No. I mean we don't we current our current administration doesn't want to be a world um, player. Yeah. Or even well, Puerto Rico. I mean Puerto Rico is still a part of the United States. It, Puerto Rico and that's incredibly egregious. We've it extended is. our military into Syria, so yeah. yeah, you know, they want to claim they don't want to be out there, but there we are. Why are we why are we there? Yeah. For the resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to make money. Yep. <clears throat> so there it is. Well we can talk about currents, you know. <laughs> So let's get into an origin story. Um, so how did you um, – you were born in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, no, I was born on Clark, sorry, Air, Force Clark Air Force Base in the Base. Philippines. In the Philippines. And um, we lived next door to a nursery where they always sang. And um, they used to do a Christmas play. Mm. And I finagled my way into <laughs> this play at three years old to be the wow. angel Gabriel. Because mm-hmm. I would look out onto this, the classroom from my bedroom window and I would mm-hmm. do my lessons with them. Mm-hmm. And I would have my lunch with them when they had their lunch. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so I used to, in the Philippines, you know, even poor Americans are wealthy there. So right. we had nannies. Mm-hmm. And my <clears throat> nanny used to say that I always would watch Sesame Street and I would say, I'm going to do that. Oh. <laughs> so so I always did little, you know, church mm-hmm. plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in elementary school, I got cast as the the turtle dove, this Indian princess, mm. in the Thanksgiving play. Uh-huh. And I kept dropping all the corn because I was so nervous. <laughs> I just oh, kept yeah. falling out of my basket. Yeah. And then really it bit me when I was 11, I played Queen Isabella in a musical about Christopher Columbus and Queen Isabella. Oh, very nice. And I got the chicken pox and gave everyone the chicken pox. (laughs) And then so then I did the performance with like little chicken pox scars all over me. Mm. (laughs) So when did you come to the United States? Um, My dad retired from the Air Force when I was five and he's he's Texan. So he grew up in Texas and he wanted to be near his family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we retired to Lubbock, Texas, which Mm -hmm. was a pilot training Air Force base. Oh. Um, and that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then I fled Lubbock as soon as I could. I'm, I'm deathly allergic to Lubbock, actually. Like, if I'm there for more mm-hmm. than five days, I have to go to the emergency room. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my mother refuses to move. Mm. Which and my dad refused to move before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I get a rash all over my body. Mm-hmm. And it, when I was growing up, the doctors were like, you need to move. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm eight. I don't right. really know what to <laughs> tell you. Yeah. My father says I'll get over it. So. Right. Mm. Um, was there then a, I went to Baylor okay. in Waco yeah. for undergraduate and, and got my degrees in directing and costume design. Awesome. Mm-hmm. What, about, what about high school? Did you uh, Were you involved in theater? I was, yeah. I was definitely involved in theater. But I growing up in Texas and being not looking like everyone, uh-huh. and I heard this in college as well, it was so hard to cast you. You don't right. look like anyone. Mm. <laughs> you know, we do these, these plays with families, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you just, you don't look like anyone. Like, it over and over again, hearing that over and yeah. over again, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, and I hadn't heard that after I left college until I moved to Atlanta. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that was, mm-hmm. that was a little I crazy. There's got to be some Filipinos in Atlanta. 
If they are, they, I didn't see them in the five years I visited and lived wow. there. <laughs> I think my ex actually lived in, uh, she had a husband in um, Decatur, uh, Georgia. She told me some really horrible stories. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not just about, you know, the people, but even the cops, you know, just... Right. It's just a different environment. It is. It's It's the deep south. Yeah. So when did you come to the Bay? So I came to the American Conservatory Theater for grad school Mm. in 93. ACT. Um, It was a very different world than a private Baptist college Mm. in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, apparently my first show after college, which was at a community theater in Lubbock, Mm -hmm. I cut out all the curse words. Like I just read over them. Like I didn't read them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I had been trained in college not to curse mm-hmm. and mm. to cut all that out of the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I came out here to get my acting MFA because I wanted to be a better director. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the issues that I would see in rehearsals are that the, the actors and directors can't communicate well enough. Interesting. So I wanted to know the actor's language. Yeah. So that I could direct them better. Yeah. What type of training did you get at ACT? Was there a, uh, a method or... Um um, it was still kind of more in the, the Bill Ball, the way that Bill Ball looked at things. Like, what kind of training do you want to have? We think that you need to have the, you know, classical oh, nice. yeah. movement. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had ballet and tap and mm-hmm. yoga. And then we did um, classical training as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of scene study. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. Were there any specific approaches to, like, beats and... and um and just how to examine a script because you know there, there are all sorts of oh yeah we, out there. we definitely had a, a script script work class um, Chris Harold do you know Chris he mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. still active in this area he taught one of those classes mm-hmm. um, you That's know it's been I never 20- think of him as a teacher because I know him as an actor yeah he's a good teacher he's an amazing actor yeah um, but I think. You know, it's been 25 years since I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's I'm, hard I'm, to I'm say how specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do, yeah, <clears throat> we did do some scene study. We did script work, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we studied different genres. Yeah. You know, and then we brought guests in to, like, teach us, mm-hmm. um, you know, study we work we hear, Stanis- we hear about Stanislavski. Oh, yeah. We hear about Stella Adler and all Strasburg and all of that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. And you had different acting teachers, yeah. you know, that would have their own toolkit yeah. that they would share with you so that you could then choose what worked for you mm-hmm. and build your own toolkit. Yeah. So, okay, so you, get, you came out of ACT. Did you work here in the Bay Area or did you go immediately back to Lubbock? No, no. I stayed here and worked professionally as an actor with a children's theater company touring for a little while. Okay. And then I started working on a little show called Sheer Madness, which is... A crazy oh, about show about a hairdresser and a murder mystery, uh-huh. and that's where I got my equity card. Awesome! And I became the equity officer. The so I was, re, you know, I was turning in reports to the union, mm-hmm. and an opening came up. Okay. And the business rep asked me if I want to apply, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay. <laughs> so I did that, and I started the membership directory and the, and. And stuff for the Bay Area when the, when the Bay Area had an office. Okay. And so I did that for like a year with Jane Schaefer. Oh, you remember Jane? That's why I remember Jane your Burke. Name. That's why I know your name. Yeah. So I, I signed up a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I, wor- I um, worked with Jane. I had to go to that office a number of times. <laughs> yes. So then I, I was the membership director for the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, and then um, had to stop doing that because I was casting people. Okay. And then, then, then soon after that is when I met you mm-hmm. directing at EastEnders. EastEnders, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and there was such a – we'll get into the whole equity thing because we've been talking about, you know, equity versus non-equity. Are you still equity now? No, I will say as someone who was a member and who was a business rep that being in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and a woman in my late 30s and early 40s, right. it's not a good idea to be an equity, <laughs> an equity actor. I, I yeah. can hear that. Yeah. And that's because there aren't a lot of roles, an equity roles for yeah. a woman in my age <coughs> range. Yeah. Or there are not a lot and of theater companies that. Th- yeah, generally. Yeah. But mm-hmm. specifically because of my demographic. Yeah. Which is a shame. It shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I were 20, there might be a lot of roles for me if mm-hmm. I had a union card. Yeah. Because, you know, all the all the little character yeah. descriptions are like 20, 20 year old. It's horrible gender, <laughs> I- gender inequity where, you know, if you're a man and mm-hmm. you're, I don't know, 
past the age of 40 or whatever, then it's no big deal, or, you know, you fit, you, the demographic is, be, or... You get more roles, older, I think, when, roles, you're, yeah. when you're a little older. Well, yeah. it shouldn't be that way. Well, there's, I mean, it's funny, I, I've spent a lot of time this week, my rehearsal schedule is really wonky, so mm-hmm. we sort of get a day off almost every other day. Oh, and that's yeah. good. It's great in some ways, and in other, in other words, it gives you time to think. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself just thinking about, among other things, the podcast and how are we focusing. Because what I want to try and start doing is identifying what is Bay Area culture. What is the culture of Bay Area theater? Mm-hmm. Um, because people seem to identify, all, even their last podcast, we identify all these amazing aspects of Bay Area theater, and then we end up with the... But that's not really what Bay Area theater is, and it's because it's not the it's not the way that everybody identifies Bay Area theater. But it just seems like there are all these little yeah. parts of pieces little islands. Of Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of one cohesive, like if I right. think about theater in Austin, Texas, I think new works, small venues. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's mm-hmm. going to be different. Right. Yeah. That and I that and pretty much across the board, that's what you see. Yeah. But, yeah. but here you see a lot of different kinds of. Yeah. Things. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'll pose that to the both of you. Mm-hmm. The fact that there are so many different aspects. I mean, should should it all be one cohesive thing? I would say yes. <laughs> it's a good thing and a bad thing. I yeah. agree. It's a good and bad. It's yeah. good to see different voices yeah. and different stories being told. Yeah. Um, but I think like you, I long to have a cohesive community or culture. Well, by, but by cohesive, it's funny because I'm, I'm looking at a Filipina and I'm going, yeah, like the Philippines. Um, and the sense that there are these, what, thousands? 7,000 islands. <laughs> thousands of places, thousands of cultures. Yeah. When you talk to a Filipino, mm-hmm. the yeah. first thing you start to find out is, oh, yeah, I'm not this, I'm that. I'm this, I'm that. I'm, right, right. Um, and those identities, I think, are all valid and wonderful. I think we just need to recognize there's another island over here. So I'm doing black theater. There's another island over here where they're doing gay black theater. Right. There's another island where they're doing gay black theater musicals. Right. And that's where I have difficulty coming back to the Bay Area and trying to figure out what I want to do as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what group do I have to deal with what, mm-hmm. or be with or mm-hmm. where do, what group should Besides I be with? <laughs> yeah. Or should I just start my own group and have another little group over here? Yeah. Like, and, you know, what's interesting because you and I, we were both in EastEnders. And, you know, there are wonderful things about EastEnders, but there became a time, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, mm-hmm. where I enjoyed EastEnders, but... EastEnders failed to do the things that I wanted to do. Right. And there came a time where I was like, okay, I'm doing pieces, but now I'm, I, people are recognizing me for the work that I'm doing, but Mm -hmm. I'm no longer comfortable with that. I've got to break out Mm -hmm. and do my own thing and find, I guess, a company or at least pieces, works Mm -hmm. that represent me. Right. Mm -hmm. Was that the same with you, Deb? Um, I think for my particular experience with EastEnders that I, yeah, I felt like there were other types of plays that I wanted to touch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that weren't being considered. Right. Um, I was also the managing director of EastEnders for a little while. Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) Again. So there was also a lot of that administrative political stuff that I had to like navigate. And I thought, I don't know if I want to navigate this anymore. Mm -hmm. So there was that as well. Right. Yeah. Because the administrative, you know, it's. Like you, Norman, you know this with uh, with Oakland Public Oakland Oakland Public Theater, Public theater mm-hmm. where artistically you wanted to create a theater company where you can do sort of what you want to do, right? But then you have to deal with the administrative stuff, and you may not want to do all that you because <laughs> well, also if you want if you don't have the money to pay a staff, right? Then what you're really asking is other interested artists to participate in getting the work done. Those artists need to have a voice. They need to feel like they have a voice in right. what is being done. If it's all in my head and my decisions, there you go. then I better be friggin' brilliant mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm not going to inspire these people <coughs> to right. continue yeah. to do this work. And even if you are brilliant, it's still your voice, and mm-hmm. you're asking a bunch of people over and over again, follow my vision and only right. my vision. Right. But I also think that when you're forming a group, a theater company or whatever, that there there are a lot of people that will raise their hands to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there aren't a lot of people that will do the work to sustain oh, yeah. it. Right. No, I always my uh, my, uh, my 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 sort of mental mascot was uh Henny Penny. <laughs> With the sky falling? No, no, oh. that's um that's um Chicken Little. Chicken, Chicken Little. Little. Yeah. Henny Penny. No, Henny Penny is um hey, you want some bread? Yeah, I'd love some bread. Cool. You want to help me, you know, grow some wheat? Busy. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, I know the other way. Sweet. Like, not I set the fox, not I set yeah. the cat, not I set uh, the Yes, okay. I forget okay. that. Boy, i got to go way back. Yeah. But yeah. No, I know. Yeah. It, for the longest time, I was calling it something else, and then I finally found out, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or maybe it's a little it. red hen, whatever. Yeah. And that's, a little red hen. Yeah. yeah. And then once the dinner's done... Who wants dinner? Everybody hey! wants to show up. Right, right. Bread, right exactly. When that bread, the smell of that bread goes out the window, yeah. everybody's there. Yeah. So what I find is like the people that then start their own group or whatever mm-hmm. become completely exhausted yes. and can't inspire the right. people around them because right. they're so exhausted because they're doing it all. Yeah. Well, there are some actors who really enjoy repertory theater. They want to be a part of a company. Oh, yeah. But then there are those who are like, listen, I'm, hi- I'm happy to be a hired gun. Just hired me to do this act mm-hmm. and then zip, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And there's there's justification for both. I think as a young person, mm-hmm. I embraced repertory theater because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of a group. I wanted to be a part of a company that would, would cast me. Right. And I could, you know, get something on my resume and I can get some learning. As I got older, I was like, okay, I still want to do my own thing. And I think, you know, I moved away from the repertory. So I'm not sure. It, it really depends on who you are as an actor or as an artist whether you want to be involved in repertory or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, a part of a company or not. Right. Right yeah. now I'm just trying to find a project that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that the – how did the directing bug bite you? I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who – like, I, I never, I've never had the bug to be a director. I love being on stage, and I love writing. So I'm getting into playwriting now, and, you know, if there's a role, I'm always up for acting – why does directing appeal to you so much rather than acting? Yeah, I've always preferred directing. I, you know, I'd like to be in charge, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what I love about directing is that I can see these lights in all the different people. Yeah. And I can blend them into, like, one white light that tells the story. Yeah. That, and I love pulling those things out of people. Yeah. And, and shining their gifts into one mm-hmm. One mission. Um, to me, it's strangely, yeah. it's actually easier for me to direct than yeah. to act. Fascinating. I, I, the process of acting is painful to me. Yeah. Mm. It's a lot more work. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think so. You'd think that directing would be a lot more work because you yeah. have to think about the design and how to inspire all the different people and mm-hmm. all the different layers. But for me, it's so much easier to do that. Mm-hmm. No, I love that analogy. Now, when you had this training at ACT, did it really help you to relate to actors? Because one, that's one thing that I've, we've talked about, Norman. Mm-hmm. How do you relate with people from different backgrounds, different cultures? Because I find a director has to have that talent to speak to someone a different way. Let's say there's a scene, and we talked about this with Craig Souza, who was on. Yeah. Uh, this is a long time ago. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember, but you know, we were like, how do you get someone, let's say someone has, has a... Um, Let's say there's a scene going on, and they've taken one direction, which is totally away from what you where, what want them to go. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell them, no, go this way. You have to have them well, understand Well, but it, it might be that what they bring to the table is not exactly what you thought it was going to be, but it might mm-hmm. be better. So you're open to, uh, to absorbing that. Yeah. You know, I have this strange process when I'm directing. I have two scripts. Mm-hmm. I have one where I take all my notes in it, and I block out my blocking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very messy. Yeah. And then I have a blank script, and that's the one I bring to rehearsal. Okay. And um, I actually will, um, in my mind, I will have studied what I had written and, mm-hmm. and done in my other script. And then I'll let the actors play out the scene mm-hmm. so I can see the essences of what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. And then I <coughs> try to merge what I had planned yeah. with what they're bringing. Yeah. And, and then we work from there mm-hmm. yeah i think when we talked with craig souza it was uh one of uh, scott munson's piece i think it was um oh shoot i, I can't remember it uh charlie uh, maybe it was charlie's Charlie aunt um and it, but it was his version 1966 version yeah. and craig souza talked about it as being a very slapstick comedy but there was one actor who wasn't really getting the jokes and they weren't and it was very difficult for craig souza to get the actor to sort of I don't know, get it. Mm-hmm. That's about the best way that I can say it. And he actually actually brought in uh, Susan Evans to sort of help out with it, and I guess they did some sort of exercise to sort of loosen mm-hmm. the actor up. Mm-hmm. Have you had to go through that where, let's say, for whatever reason, an actor isn't getting it, or you don't understand they where the actor's coming from? They may not have the skill set. They may, A, they may not have the skill set mm-hmm. that you're requiring 
for that like th they yeah. may not have done farce before right uh, in that example yeah and every and you need to get them to the energy level of uh -huh. everyone else right yeah I've definitely experienced that kind of disparity yeah also that they're definitely going in a direction that I don't want them to go in right. mm -hmm. you know yeah, then you but, have to. but luckily not only because of my training at ACT and mm -hmm. my training at Baylor mm -hmm. I have a huge toolkit cool. of mm -hmm. different exercises and ways to get to that person's mm -hmm what they're thinking yeah. and to carry them through. Yeah. Um, and I will employ any and all of them yeah. to get them to where I think we need to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I also think that I also, when one of the things that I think makes me a good director mm -hmm. to toot my own horn is that no, I read okay, about a novel a week. Form. Yeah. I what's read a f about a fiction. I read fiction a lot yeah. and yeah. I read about a novel a week. Uh -huh. And so I will empathically go through each of those characters' yeah. life cycles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I have that vocabulary yeah. mm -hmm. that I can share with my actors as mm -hmm. well. Right. And they might be able to ta tag into one of those perspectives. Yeah. I do have a quick question, and I'm, I don't want to dominate you know, the yeah. podcast because I'm sure oh. there are things you want to talk. But as a director for the both of you, mm -hmm. how, how much time do you invest? Because with directing, you don't have a lot of time. <laughs> You know, you've got a schedule and you want to focus on one scene or whatever. But there are some times where you need to learn the mm -hmm. actor. You right. really need to know what that actor is about. It's a lot easier in a repertory or in a uh, theater yeah. company because you know who the person is and you know how to talk to the person. But let's say you don't know the person and you may need a little bit of time to oh. talk to to figure out I, how I, much time do you invest in that or is like, listen, if you either get it or don't get it. I, yeah. <laughs> no, it's um to me it's like you come out of school, let's say, as a director, you come out with some sort of um some perfect idea, some hypothetical idea of what it is to work. Yeah. And then you get into a space. Well it just happened Elizabeth Carter's um bondage, which yeah. is at the ACT costume shop right now. Yeah. Um when they originally did the show, it was a very tiny space with an L-shaped audience that they were right on top of. So that um, that corner spot was a power spot. It was mm -hmm. a gorgeous spot to put a moment yeah. or have an actor live in. Mm -hmm. Well, the way it's configured at the costume shop is very different. And if you put somebody in that spot, you basically put their back to a portion of the audience. So it's not a strong spot. It's not strong in the same way. And she was struggling with how do you do that. And to me, that's one of the joys of directing is – so I have this idea in my head. A lot of the work is work that when I first decided or thought about doing the script as a director, pieces started to come into being. Now you're giving me my limitations. What is it I can and cannot do? And if I'm smart, then I'm going to use those. I'm going to say, okay, great, that means – that that's off limits, and therefore I've got these tools, and what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. You know that. So by the time I get to the actors, it's the same thing. And so I chuckled when you were raising the question because I could think of a reading that I did not long ago, and I just needed an old, an old white guy. I guess I could say that without actually identifying <laughs> anybody. And so I got one, um, and it was just somebody who popped up at the last moment, and I thought, okay, fine, yeah, I think he'll do. And I got him, and he was so. Many things that I wasn't expecting, and his mm -hmm. style of approaching was not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And I very quickly had to make a few adjustments and just sort of either take some things away from him or limit what he did to, you know, A and B, yeah. just make it uh -huh. very binary. <clears throat> and I had to readjust my expectations of the character and his place in the structure of the story mm -hmm. to limit it. To limit this guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't have time to go through a process of trying to help him understand or yeah. move, make different choices. I gave some adjustments. He made some. He didn't make most. Like two out of three he could not make. And I was like, okay, off the table. Take that off the table. Take that off the table. And to me, that's always part, a creative part of the process. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I don't know that I have anything that would be more insightful But than it, that. it is interesting because we had a conversation about – the casting director as opposed to an actual director. And I can see you running into that problem if someone else has cast the uh, the, right. the play. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I would have never casted that person, but now I've got to right. work with that yeah. person. Yeah. And it creates real problems. And that happens a lot in rep, 
to yeah. right. that you you have to use your whole company, right? Yeah. You may not have cast that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, in a repertory, you can select the plays based on the actors mm-hmm. that you already have. So you may know, I don't know if that place will work for this or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have some flexibility with that. And then it varies depending on, like you said, you had this reading that you were trying to set up for. But if you were in a rehearsal process, you would have tried other tactics. Right. 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 You know? Right. Right, you, would, you, you have a different set. Yeah. So are there things that you're working on now or looking at now? I, I have, I'm always looking. So in the back of my mind right now, I have a couple of scripts that I am interested in, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting for them to be exciting yeah. or to find something else. Uh-huh. And then I have this little musical that I have my eye on. Mm. Um, it is uh, a musical about the, the grandmother of, of rock and roll, uh-huh. oh, okay. um, Sister Rosetta Stone. I've heard the name. So I, I'm actually the board chair of a playwriting nonprofit in Austin, Texas. Okay. And one of our playwrights, Candace Rusk, has written this treatment mm-hmm. for a musical about Sister Rosetta. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen excerpts from it, but mm-hmm. it's something that she's been working on for several years. Yeah. Right. And so it keeps coming up. And every time it comes up in my yeah. world, mm-hmm. I, I, my energy immediately goes, what's happening Mm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so every time it comes, and so I'm like, I'm kind of at a point now where I'm like, I gotta call Candace, and we gotta start figuring out how to produce this thing here in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So sounds nice. Because I mean, I don't, you don't know Sister Rosetta Stone, Rosetta. She, I've heard she of Rosetta Tharp. A, a base, I'm sorry, it's yeah. Rosetta Tharp. It is Tharp. Okay, yeah, got sorry. it. Now, 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 my yeah. brain. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I got up early. There's Angie Stone. Angie Stone. Stone. Yeah. I'm bad with names. Uh, anyway, but she's, yes. you know, she's, she's an amazing guitar player yeah. okay. and has inspired so many guitar players, okay. right? Great gospel singer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the woman that she's had in these um, treatments of it, mm-hmm. these little mm-hmm. workshops, I probably will have to bring her because that's kind of a very distinct skill yeah. set, right? Mm-hmm. Right, it is. So there's a lot of other things to think about like how will i house these people how long do i need them uh-huh. here mm-hmm. you know like it's right. not a small endeavor yeah and so that's why i'm still i also have been sick for a little while mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to make sure that my well is full before i start <laughs> dipping into it and handing yeah. things out to other people that sounds very exciting is that a thought? <laughs> now you've been here since 93 oh. have you seen the sorry there we go that's okay um the state of theater, I mean, just how, or, you know, or the state of the Bay Area, I mean, you know, we've been affected by gentrification. You know, a lot of theater companies have fallen by the wayside. Some have survived. What do you think about the state of theater from the time you got here to now? When I first came here, I feel like there were a lot of small theater companies doing a lot of different kinds of work mm-hmm. constantly. Um, not only alumni from ACT, but, uh, but other small groups. And now I feel like because of our space limitations, mm-hmm. That I'm just not seeing enough work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not that things aren't being produced. Right. I just feel like there's a lot less for me to choose from. Yeah. It, there's um, there is a constant renewal. New spaces, new mm-hmm. groups, and keeping track of that is <laughs> is a big job. And then each of those spaces are kind of they have their uh, their home theater companies, right? So then it mm-hmm. goes back to that question before right. of. Is that the group I want mm-hmm. to be affiliated with? or mm-hmm. As opposed to I'm used to in Austin and Atlanta and, and before here, just being a contractor director. Of mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. You, you know, I don't see a lot of we're looking for a director right. anymore. Right. It's all self-produced sort of or the theater company is oh, producing interesting. it. Interesting. So maybe for every director job, you know, there's 10 actors. So right. when I was in Atlanta, I had to act again. And I was like, oh, Jesus. No. Why do yeah. I have to do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ended up, you know, taking that show with some other women to L.A. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, yeah, I did that show a few times. Mm-hmm. And then came back up here, and then I just did um, The Nurse at uh, Half and Bay Shakes. Oh, great. So, mm-hmm. so, so I was going to try to sign up for some auditions to mm-hmm. try and get back into the scene because mm-hmm. my day job is not theater. Uh, and so I mm-hmm. have to balance. Um, mm-hmm. My cat refuses to get a job. Uh. So I'm, I'm the only breadwinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my actual cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, well, it's, it's 105. Yeah, Shout outs. Um, well, and it's funny because I, I have birthdays, but before I want to mm-hmm. mention, I knew there was another death, 
that Uh-oh. had come up. Oh, no. Muhammad Kozar, um, for so anybody who's an SF State alum, you know, in the last three decades or more, may know this man. He was the um, primarily he was the theater t- history teacher, um, but I've never had a history teacher who made. It's not about history. It's about who we are and where we are oh, always, awesome. wow. all the time. And add into that theater, it's about how you approach theater. And this man was known for speaking at least four languages, reading in four languages. He was an amazing mind. And I've written, read a number of people, you know, sort of uh, informal obituaries, mm-hmm. um, but talking very personally about how he inspired what cracks me up is a number of people have said what I said. I got there as a transfer student, so I was not required to take his courses, and I did not. I saw him in the hall. I heard about him every semester, and it got to the point where I loved my little hallway encounters because I could discuss anything, shows I was reading, plays that I was working in, um, things that he had seen that he wanted to share. And it was always an amazing conversation and always enlightening and always, apparently, in class, he could be – his standards were just rigorous, but he also could be, oh, I understand. You got this other thing going on. Let's make it – you know, if you talked to him, you could negotiate a moment. Hmm. And it wasn't going to be a BS negotiation. You were really going to have to come with it. But he would – you know, you could miss a big test or something if you proved to him that you were on task and really sincere about trying to get the work done. Um, so anyway, he died. Um, no. And I didn't know he was Iranian, I guess, because he died in Tehran. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, he retired. So that was a big one this week. Hmm. Uh, birthdays. So <laughs> to jump from death to birth, um, Holly Maddox, uh, local actress, Pamela Davis, local actress. These are people that I got to meet by running Oakland Public Theater and directing and, you know, and casting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jola Branner, who's actually a dancer and lives in the Minneapolis area now, but... I met him as he was coming up here, and he was part of Acropomo Homos. He mm-hmm. was one of the first performers in that. Um, CJ, everybody knows this guy as CJ. CJ Blankenship, hmm. South Bay actor, amazing, triple threat. Um, and then Ella Zalan, who is um, just out of uh, Oakland School of the Arts. Hmm. Um, so I think she might be like 19 oh, now. Wow. Um, but I know her because her mother is Wendy Belden, local playwright. But I've seen Ella perform. Mm-hmm. And in fact, bumped into her this week. She was at, maybe that's why she was out. Um, she was at the alley singing. So awesome. that was kind of cool. cool. David Diggs, I think people might have heard of him. <laughs> uh, Hamilton star, his birthday is coming up this week. Uh, John Angel Grant, who I didn't realize was a writer as well as a uh, reviewer. He's a major reviewer in the Bay Area. And I think that's it for my okay. theater people. For me, uh, Ken Fisher. Um, I'm trying to remember when. Uh, oh, you know what? Ken Fisher is actually a film director. I did the 48-hour film festival with him. Uh, his birthday is on January 22nd. On the 23rd, beautiful actress Eliza Bolvin. <clears throat> I uh, acted with her um, for the Musical Cafe. Uh, mm. She's a uh, model and actress. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Wednesday, uh, Jim Fordianus, he ran uh, the Darkroom Theater oh, before uh-huh. it f- folded right. and really created a wonderful community mm-hmm. of uh, just you know folks. Uh, we did a Twilight Zone and right. a Bad Movie Night and all mm-hmm. sorts of cool stuff. So his birthday is on the 24th. And I think that's it. My brother Andre, uh, he's not in the theater, but, you know, he's family. But family. That's, yeah. It's Friday. Yeah, shout out to family. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I have. Uh, today, and there's my alarm. i got to start wrapping it up. Yep. Um, uh, today, I believe, uh, the bondage at the ACT Costume Shop is finishing up their little – they had a very short run. Uh, this is a remount of the Alter Theater production of Bondage by Star Finch. Um Spooky little Civil War, surreal Civil War. Oh, nice. Yeah, very bizarre. Um, And then this weekend, it's directed by Elizabeth Carter, Mm -hmm. who is in the um, Black Rider at Shotgun, which closes this weekend Mm -hmm. um, and is fantastic. So a couple of shout-outs for Elizabeth. Uh Um, I've got mine coming up next weekend, and so I want to put word out for people so people know. Summer, winter, spring um, is going to be at the Minnesota Street Project, which is this gallery um, it's part of a film installation, but we're actually going to have live performances next Friday and Saturday. Um, so that's coming up. And <laughs> they have an artist talk today. 
in an hour, which I will not be going to. I was to. like, yeah, I don't know if you'll be there. Yeah, I won't. I've, I've got rehearsal for my other show, which is Lucia Berlin Short Stories. Mm-hmm. And so we are in our first week of rehearsal. <clears throat> awesome. One last birthday, Cheryl and Land, who is, whose birthday is today. Uh, she's an ex um, we went to uh, sc- uh, school together. Um, Duke owns the School of the Arts, <laughs> and uh, and that is it. So, um, do you have any shout outs? Do, oh, shout outs do, Deb? do I have any birthday shout outs? Or birthday oh, shout outs. Shows <laughs> that you want to promote. Shows. Things that you're working on, or people you just want to point to and go, "Hey, this uh, is happening. not right at this moment." Sadly, <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you have fun? I did. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Okay, that's it. Um, let me give you my last uh, bullet. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper left-hand side and search for the Yay. You can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just log on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook and we will take it from there. We, we gotta find a better sign off. <laughs>